This is Raptors Shootaround. It's on to the finals. A TSN 1050 playoff special. Oh, baby, what a play. The Raptors and the NBA Finals live here. Oh, yes, guy. Now, that's better. Hour number two. Yes, guy gets pumped. Oh, yes, guy. Bring it on. Jim Taddy with you until noon, then Andy Petrillo with Leafs Lunch, followed by Matt Cause with uh, Raptors Game Day, followed by Overdrive with Hayes, Noodles, and O-Dog. And, of course, tomorrow, extensive coverage, uh, getting you set for what will happen on Thursday night. I keep getting lost in what day it is. It is Tuesday, so a couple of days. Today's a travel day, obviously. Everybody heading back to Oakland, and the line was in the press area last night, prior to the game, what will happen? And uh, these people that have to travel, that bounce back and forth from coast to coast, say, well, whatever is the most inconvenient will happen, and that meant a Raptors loss. And by gosh, that's exactly what did happen. So let's go over this. The Raptors lose 106-105 after a hard-fought battle. The Warriors make 23-pointers, second-highest total in the NBA in an NBA Finals game. The Finals record is 24 three-pointers by Cleveland against the Warriors, June 9, 2017. The Raptors lost at home for the first time when having a chance to win a playoff series this postseason. So so they go to 3-1. and one. Here's where we break down the game. Warriors won the first quarter by 6, tied the second quarter, and third quarter Raptors won the fourth by 5. And really, the only stat, Arad, that sticks to the wall for me, and, and when we do the analysis, I don't do this, but a lot of people do, you do the uh, what I call the retrospective uh, edited analysis where you pick your spot. You thought the game turned there. Here's where the game turned, right from the start. It was a three-point shooting. No other factor for me. Uh, you know, Golden State fired that ball. Where, where, where are my stats here? They fired at 47.6%, and the Raptors 25. That is a, a, just a monumental sway, and that is your ball game. And you're dealing with, with the two best shooting guards in the history of the game. These guys can can threes from all over the place, and that's part of that 9-0 run that cost the Raptors the game. That is the game story for me. What about you? I'm with you 100%. That's the game story right there. They came out of the gate firing. You could tell they were motivated by the fact that Kevin Durant was there. Kevin Durant himself was 3-for-3 three three from beyond the arc. Yeah. And that right there, like again, first quarter was the only quarter that they lost. And to me, that was the impact of Kevin Durant. He came... They were better. There were more space for Curry and Thompson. They were more wide open because, well, now you got to pay more attention to the best player on the floor, who's Kevin Durant. And because of that, they got more open shots. The threes started to fall, and the game was lost right there. Well, you know, there was a damning stat in the first quarter that was corrected for two reasons. The major reason why it was corrected was because Kevin Durant went out of the game. They had four turnovers for 10 points. That's a lot of KD's shooting right there. And so he leaves the game, and by the end of the night, it becomes 13 turnovers for 20. So for the next three quarters, the Raptors gave away turnover points as they did in the first. But that's one of those stats that, that it just sort of tells you that things were corrected, and it's irrelevant to the end of the game. Now, here's the situation I want to throw at you, and this is absolutely apologetic on my part because I'm not suggesting it. But, but if you're willing to do an edited analysis by picking a spot, I'm going to pick a spot and then give you the worst, the absolute disastrous outcome so so let's say you don't call that timeout let's say you don't listen to Kyle Lowry and he's nodding because because Kawhi Leonard is tired what if you don't call the timeout and you try to play through it and Kawhi puts his foot down and we got a problem what are you going to do then what happens then exactly yeah then you're really screwed I mean you think Golden State's worse with Kevin Durant where are the Raptors without Kawhi Leonard right like I mean you know you, you you tend to do these things based on knowing the outcome so you can it's like you can alter the script because you're, you're still going with the premise that if we change the one thing, then everything else follows suit the way it did. 
and it ends up with with two points at the end the other way or three points the other, at the end the other way well that's that's just creative editing for me because once you once you alter something what follows it is changed you can't just assume it goes down that path and you can just change half of the equation you have to change the entire equation which means erase what happens after that it's human nature to want to point fingers to me Right. Well, I, th- I think at the end of the night, you want to know why they lost. And, and, exactly. I, and I, I could tell you, I almost threw my phone here. I, I can tell you that the reason they lost was they couldn't fire the three ball. Exactly. I mean, we've seen it throughout the postseason. Raptors, when they shoot the three well, they're basically undefeated. When they don't shoot the three well, they struggle. They either need a monster game by Kawhi Leonard or they lose the game. And that was the case last night. And again, it's human nature. You want to point the finger at someone. And what's an easier target than the head coach? Point the finger at Nick Nurse. Oh, why did you call a timeout here? And why didn't you call a timeout there? So to me, that's the finger pointing that's happening. To me, taking that timeout wasn't an issue. Not taking a timeout with 15 seconds left, that's the questionable call to me. But his rule was, because they just had the goaltending review... That was took a minute and a half or whatever. That that was he considered that a timeout. And like you can't question him, right? All series, all playoffs. To me, he's made the right call. It just didn't work out. So yeah, exactly. Uh, Three point shooting. Game one, thirty nine point four percent a win. Game two, twenty eight point nine percent a loss. Game three, forty four point seven percent a win. Game four, their, their shooting percentage wasn't really that good either from three point or the field. But they still won. They fired at 31%. Last night, 25%. Overall, 44%, which was an upgrade from Game 4. But, you know, I always go back to the the Raptors' analysis for me is not necessarily the numbers, although the three-point shooting is certainly relevant. The Raptors' analysis for me is the eye test. What did you see? Uh, What I saw in the, the three of the four previous games was at the right moment when something had to happen, it did. And, and last night, uh, the cold three-point shooting didn't really create that scenario, although they did finally get there at the end with that lead of 103.97. But uh, it didn't seem legitimate to me. I, I don't know how you felt. Uh, in the building, I thought, wow, are they going to get away with this? And, and then it didn't happen. I felt the exact same way that you did. They didn't deserve, quote-unquote, to win that game, but they were in a position to win it. And, and we're still talking about a one-point loss. Exactly. With with a final shot that was deflected. Worst game of the NBA Finals. Worst game that the Raptors have played in the NBA Finals. And they only lost by one. Yeah, well, and that's something to deal with. But, but of course, now you open the big door of the the last game ever at the Oracle. And everybody's going to be jacked up for that. And we'll we'll see what the relevance of that is. I always say, what's going to happen? We'll see. Exactly. (laughs) And we will. Uh, This is Nick Nurse, post-game, talking about the final shot. The shot you were hoping to get was the question. I mean, we didn't take a timeout there on that last play, right? But, but you know, we let him play, and, and Kawhi had it, and they doubled him, and he moved it to Fred, who moved it to Kyle, and we just didn't quite have enough space there. You know, I thought it looked like it was going to be a really good shot, an open corner three, but I didn't see who got out there and got a piece of it. Um, but, you know, again, I was confident we would come down and play and make the right decisions and, and uh, get a good shot. You know, I have a lot of faith in those guys. And as far as your second question, um, we don't really have much choice. And I think that um, our team has reacted all year long great to, to bad losses. And, in the, and I, I would say it takes a lot to beat this team. And that took a hell of a, hell of a lot of blows and a, and a heck of a lot of balls bouncing 
the wrong way, at, you know, in the last couple minutes um, for us to come out on the wrong side of it tonight. But I'm super proud of the guys. Man, they played their guts out, um, kept on fighting, and uh, put themselves in position to win it. The to sort of elaborate on what you were just saying. I mean, if this thing had gone to plan, you're supposed to be up three-two right now. I mean, that's what you know. That's where home court is. You're supposed to be up three-two at this point. Yeah. Having said that, is it hard for you to not look at tonight as an opportunity loss? Not, not, not hard at all, Tim. I think that I always, you know, I think after game two in the Philly series, I said, listen, I, I expect this to be a long series. Right? And I expect this one to be a long series. I'm not, I'm not sitting here trying to think we should be this, be that. But if you'd have probably told me at the start of this thing, if we could fast forward to a 3-2 lead, you want to take it, I'd probably say yes. When you see a ball like that going up and a championship possibly won, what are you sitting there on the bench inside feeling and, and all of that when that one shot can... You know, can you talk about Kyle's at the end. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're not thinking about all that stuff, Steve. Really, I think again, you're you're just trying to win a game, and and you're not thinking about anything other than that. I think you always just got to play out the possessions and and do your best to get the best shot you can get, and and the whatever happens after that takes care of itself. Uh, I just had a quick question. I wanted to know the thought process behind calling the timeout um, when we were making a run, while the Raptors are making their run. You know, those two we took at three-minute mark? Yeah, well, we had two free ones that you lose under the three-minute mark. And uh, we just came across and, and just decided to give those guys a rest. And uh, we had back-to-back we had -back ones there that we would have lost under the three-minute mark and just thought we could use the extra energy push. When you're up six with three minutes left, are you more confident in your team's poise to be able to close out that game? Or do you have trepidation about the trigger men on the other side? Well, I think that uh, in, this, in this day and age, I think, you know, up six with three minutes to go doesn't mean a whole lot. You got you to keep playing and getting good shots and keep guarding. Um, we've been a really good close game team this year both ends of the floor we were really you know we really guarded in the second half we you know held them to 22 each quarter and um you know i felt good at that point and just needed to make a couple more plays yeah just to play short really uh, what i liked about what he had to say there he went back to the philadelphia series so uh, when we do the analysis uh, regardless of how you're feeling when you go through all of this remember how you felt in the philadelphia series and so when Kawhi leonard with the buzzer beater put the ball up and you watched it bounce four times and go through that rim. Did you care about any of those stats? Did you care about what should have happened and what didn't happen? No. You celebrated the moment. Right? Absolutely. Did you care that Kawhi Leonard missed a free throw seven seconds before that led no. to Jimmy Butler tying the game? No. no. That moment erased, shot. It erased everything. So I'm, what I'm trying to tell you is uh, if the Raptors prevail here and win the championship, we're not going to talk about how they could have won it in five games. None of this. No. We're not going to talk about... How Kyle Lowry is struggling. We're not going to talk about any of that. All we're going to talk about is, is the parade down Young or is it down Bay? That's right. Well, probably down both at some point. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Stephen A. Smith, one final bit on this before we break. Uh, Stephen A. Smith on the final couple of minutes of this game. 
A couple of things were interesting to me. Was it was interesting to me, obviously, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry stepped up, combining for three threes to go on a 9-0 run to overcome a 103 to 97 deficit with 328 left. But I think the most compelling component is that the Toronto Raptors, who seem to be able to amp it up whenever they want to, went the last 328 with just two points. 328 left. You go up 103, 97 after a pull-up J from Kawhi Leonard. What happens? 23 seconds later, Nick Nurse, who we've been raving about throughout the postseason, suddenly has brain lock or what? I don't know what the hell it was. I don't know why he called the timeout. It's a team timeout by Toronto. You don't need to call a timeout at that particular moment in time. You see that your offense is flowing. You're taking advantage of Golden State. They seem gassed. They seem worn down. It seemed like Toronto was a bit too physical for them, and they were about to basically have a coronation inside the Scotiabank Arena. And then all of a sudden, you call a timeout. You give Golden State a reason to rest, to catch their breath, to get a reprieve from your onslaught. Yep. And lo and behold, Klay Thompson hits a three. Then Steph Curry hits a three. Then Klay Thompson comes back and hits a three. And before you had a chance to sit up there and express a word, you were down three points. To me, that was a key pivotal point, particularly when you consider the fact that Nick Nurse, once again, obviously a fantastic coach who's done a fantastic job throughout this postseason, inexplicably calls a timeout and disrupts his own team's rhythm. Or you could look at it this way. Having the confidence, knowing your players as you do, with that six-point lead, you would believe the positive that it was going to work out and the timeout would not have a negative effect. Does that make any sense? Makes a lot of sense. I'm going to throw something at you just before we break. Remember we had Steve Simmons on the other day, and he talked about a radio show that he and I did uh, when the Jays were powerful in the early 90s, which is absolutely true. And, and so that bit I said about we're not going to talk about how the Raptors could have won this in five if they win it in seven. So when the Jays won uh, against uh, Philadelphia in six, there were people that would phone us up and debate Cito Gaston and say, well, this should have been a sweep. <laughs> I just... I just could never get past that. You couldn't enjoy the moment. You had to overanalyze and figure out how you could have won or not lost the other two games. Are you kidding me? But that did happen. So that's, that is the mindset sometimes when you let that retrospective analysis run all over the place, especially when you edit out some things or, or assume that things are going to follow the same pattern even though you have changed the situation. The whole thing changes. If you don't call the timeout from, from what happens from that moment on, is different from what you saw. So you can't go back and do a, a specific edit on one or two scenes when, when the whole thing changes. The whole end of the movie changes. Remember that. Coming up next, Dwayne Watson followed by Brian Hayes right here on Raptors Shootaround. TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, also available on the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Jim Taddy here on Raptor Shootaround. Dwayne Watson, my analyst partner from game coverage, is here and getting set to board the plane for San Francisco. Dwayne, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Oh, his voice sounds a little better. Yeah, uh, I guess the, the, a little amount of rest I got, you know, helped and worked out. But <laughs> The nap. Yeah, but how was your sleep, by the way? That was okay. You know, it's, <laughs> it is what it is. When you're in one of these four to seven things, uh, by the end of it, uh, you're a little weary, but, uh, you know, you make up for it later. Yeah, I mean, I think, of course, we would love to, uh, I mean, to be truthful, I think I kind of bought into the, not the narrative, but this team was playing some great basketball. They had won two big games in Oakland uh, and found a way to play together and play collectively. And... The Warriors didn't have much answers. I mean, of course, they were in a must-win game and they responded, but I kind of thought it was going to be the storybook ending where this team has a great season and finishes at home in front of their country and their fans. And, you know, it was a one-point loss. Yeah. So 
I don't think there's, I think for those old Raptors fans who kind of think, oh, here we go again, um, the Warriors one by one, and they, they basically had their best shot. They had their best, all their best players playing, and of course, you know, Kevin KD got hurt. Um, but the Raptors have won in double digits in both games at Oakland, and I feel pretty confident with them uh, uh, going there and taking care of business. Well, this is where you kind of appreciate the line about there, there's no carryover from one game to the next. Because last night, for me, uh, was a, a weird game in terms of the, the emotion that was in that building. There's all that anticipation of a possible championship win, a one-off that had never been done before. And, and that quickly got sidetracked by, by Kevin Durant's appearance, performance, and then injury, and then that just got weird. I, I've termed the phrase "innocently awkward," which would explain the, the cheering, and, and then uh, how it was uh, rectified, and, and the, the the position that the Warriors were in, and the Raptors players were in, and then obviously the realization in the building that this was a serious thing. And then you go to the emotion of Bob Myers in the post game, but but there's also the Raptor emotion of, of climbing your way back into a game that I'm not going to say you didn't have any business being in, but the three point shooting puts you in a really bad spot, and you're up 103.9 and it looks like you're going to win, and then it just it, it, it disappears in a matter of seconds at a 9-0 run. I mean, that was a weird sway last night that way, wasn't it? It was an emotional roller coaster for the fans, the Raptors, as you said, as well as the Warriors in terms of the pulls of so many things that happened there. And, and you're right. I, I felt that watching the game, just seeing how the Raptors weren't really performing at the rate that we've seen them at, that, okay, well, this isn't the one. And, of course, we've seen something we've seen very often with this team in the playoffs is claw their way back at the games. And they did that, and then it felt like, okay, here we go, we're back. We've got this. And, you know, in a matter of moments, um, you know, with these quick threes, uh, the Warriors are back at the game. Raptors are forced to make a, a tough shot at the end of the game and, and lose it. And I think that's the nature of the playoffs, but you're right. Things don't necessarily carry. I don't think the Raptors can look and say, we didn't have an answer for these guys, or we, there's no way we could stop them. There's nothing we can do. They just didn't really play their game, and, and that's, that's something I think is positive moving into the next game. I'm a big proponent of the thought that things happen because they have to happen, and, and they have the ability to happen. And so if you're the Warriors, and you have this dynasty, and your, your big star Kevin Durant goes out in an awkward, very awkward situation for everybody, and then you have these guys, Curry and Thompson, who have the ability to, to, uh, to be the best at, 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 in the history of the game. They, they, they are that, and they have that ability to do that. And suddenly they, they rekindle their chemistry, uh, and they hit offensively uh, the way they, they normally do in tandem. And uh, Clay Thompson's injury is, is healed, and defensively he's as good as he ever was. And, and, I mean, these guys are the key component to that, albeit a one-point victory. And I don't know if that moves forward. I would have to assume that we're going to see that, that tandem play like that again. That would be a little scary for me. Yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's, that was the greatest fear coming to this series, that these guys could shoot the ball incredibly well. They shot 12 for 27 last night. 27, if I told you they were shooting 27 three-pointers and not knowing what the percentage was going to be, you'd be concerned because you know they can hit at a good clip. Um, so I think that's, that's one thing this team has been very aware of going in, defending these guys to try and contain them or limit their shots, um, stick to them and not, and not let them get their shots off which they were able to do. So I think these guys, as shooters, seeing the ball go in the net like that, that level is going to be positive for them. But the Raptors know that if they can try and contain these guys, they don't have the supporting cast that the Raptors have of other guys who can step up. So they have to do a better job of playing, playing defensively better. That, that's, that's the key. they got to be more sound defensively on their perimeter, uh, making it tougher and closing on these shots. I mean, these guys are the guys who are going to hurt the Raptors, but you know what you're dealing with. It's not like, how do we stop Steph and Clay? and Kevin Durant is how do we stop these two? 
Well, you know, sometimes out of sight, out of mind, but that first 12 minutes when Kevin Durant was on the floor, that was something, wasn't it? Yeah, well, he was everything we feared. Yeah. <laughs> we were like, hey, okay, if Kevin Durant comes back, if he's 75%, you know, that's better than 100%. He, I mean, he only played 12 minutes, but he looked like Kevin Durant of five weeks ago, um, which was very concerning. I mean, knocking down all his threes, and when he's knocking down his threes, you can't throw the extra coverage at Steph and Clay, and it was posing a problem. And I think he was, I mean, he, he kind of really, he, 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 I feel like he won that game for this team. I mean, he gave them the emotional lift yeah. coming into the game. He gave them the emotional lift when they had to leave the game. And he played strongly when he's in the, in the game. And I think that helped motivate these guys. So um, the specter of Kevin Durant is no longer there, though, for, for the Toronto Raptors because going into this series, it was always like, oh, if Kevin Durant plays or when he comes back, it's going to be a problem. And, you know, the circumstances are unfortunate that he won't be back. But now the Raptors really know who they're dealing with. That was just an odd storyline. I mean, I've said this before. You know, we watched him. You and I watched him warm up, and that was impressive because he tried literally everything. Uh, then he gets on the floor and is an inspiration with his play to his teammates and the emotions flying high. And then not only is he out, he's gone. And, and the emotion yeah. that goes with, with his departure. And then, you know, the, the Bob Myers stuff at the end of the game, that, that's a complete one-off. And I, I just don't know what, what ramifications that has, but I, but I know there's, there's some, something there that, that, will, that, you know, the Warriors will build on. Yeah, without question. I mean, for us, it was kind of interesting because Coach Kerr said that Bob Myers is going to come address the Clay injury, this, the KD injury, and we're like, oh, that's kind of odd that he's not doing it. And then, as we're listening to the audio of Bob Myers, you could audibly hear that he's choked up, and we're like, wow, this is this is you don't usually hear that kind of uh, emotion um, from a situation like that. And you know, it's tough for KD who came back and played in this game and probably shouldn't have played um, based on, you know, if, if that calf injury was an Achilles tear and if he, you know, re-injured it and now he's at for the series, he's out for a year and he might not, that might be his last game as a member of the Warriors. But I kind of feel, on another note though, I kind of feel that the, in the post game, the Warriors were really pushing this narrative of the Toronto fans that I kind of thought was a little bit, it suited them to kind of give them motivation. But I didn't think it was entirely accurate because of course we know that the crowd jeered when KD went down and uh, you know as fans you're going you're gonna to react like that but you know even after the urging of the Raptors players they were applauding him as he walked off they were chanting his name so the way they're spinning it like how the Raptors fans kind of basically booed him off the floor is a bit I mean it works for them whatever gets them going but it's not an accurate depiction of I thought what happened last night. Yeah, I, what you think. I, I agree with you, but but I go back to my term. It was innocently awkward. It did have an effect on the Raptors players because they were forced to quiet everybody down. And you know, you're in a championship game. I don't think you want to be in that position, but it's the right thing to do. And yep. and and for the Warriors, it was the emotion of seeing a, a star player uh, get hurt in in a manner that that's going to have serious repercussions on his playing career and, and the amount of money he can make. And I know nobody cares about money, but but it is relevant. I mean, it's it's almost a fork in the road in his career. At the worst time, there's a lot of emotion that goes into that. I understand it, and and you could see the ripple effect. Uh, you know, I, I guess people are just going to say whatever they want to say, and, and it doesn't really matter if it's correct or not. It's just how you deal with it. Yeah, and I, you're right. I don't think the Raptors, and not to knock them and say they didn't respond, but I kind of think you know when a situation like that happens, when a, a guy who's inspired his team and playing well for his team is now out, I'm like, okay, let's let's take advantage of this opportunity, and I think. Maybe the emotions were at play where they felt really bad. I mean, we saw players on both teams, coaches, they felt for Kevin Durant as he left the floor. And, you know, I think 
the Warriors were able to use that to their advantage to kind of say, hey, let's get this for him. And the Raptors were a bit, you know, they weren't, they weren't ready to kind of respond. And, I mean, that's not a knock because it's, it's, you know, he went down, they knew the situation. But um, that's what this game is all about. I mean, opportunities and runs and taking advantage of it and stepping up at the right time. And I think, you know, the Raptors didn't win this game. I think everyone, myself, yourself included, would love to see that happen. But it didn't make me doubt or question their ability to close out the series. Well, and I said this earlier as well. Listeners will be well aware of this. So when we talked about, uh, and you and I were there for the moment of, of Game 7, the buzzer beater, and, yep. and so when, when the ball finally went through the rim, did anybody talk about what didn't happen in the previous six games or what, did, or what should have happened to prevent the buzzer beater in the first place? No, you just celebrated the moment. And I think, you know, sometimes you can get lost with the over-analysis that, yep. you know, that there's still two games left and two opportunities to win a championship, and you just move forward. Yeah, if, if the Raptors win a game six in Oakland, a week from now, no one's going to be saying, well, they should have won game five at home. No <laughs> one's going to remember that. <laughs> oh, there will be somebody. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, I'm, I'm sure the, the city of Toronto and the authorities and the police are probably happy that they have to deal with the onslaught of, of fans celebrating the streets. But, um, yeah, it's about, it's about winning this series. And I, I don't see it going to seven. And if it does go to seven, I'm a little bit concerned because then it becomes like the Philly game. Game seven, where it's one game can decide the series, and I think the Raptors have had the upper hand throughout, and you know should continue to take care of it. I mean, going to Oakland used to be a bad thing. It used to be like, oh, no one's going to win there. I think that's more of a sentiment now they share with with Toronto and Scotiabank Arena, but also the Raptors' ability to win on the road in any environment. So what you're telling me is you're going to predict a Raptors win based on three straight wins at the Oracle to close out that building. Yes, and, and, and wow. it was easier. But it's easier to say that, especially based on two of the last three happened within the series. This isn't like, you know, over the last three years, the Raptors have won three games. This is, this is you know, within a week, two weeks ago. Yep. They've done it, right? And, and they've done it emphatically. I mean, these double-digit wins. This isn't, and not, a win is a win. I'm not taking anything away from the Warriors win last night. But they did it with one point. The Raptors sent Warriors fans to the home early in both games at Oracle. So I'm calling it. I'm calling it. I'm not calling it a must-win. I'm just calling it a victory in Game 6, Jim. Okay, I'm not going to debate that. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the obvious line would be, well, if you think the Raptors are going to shoot 25% from outside two nights in a row, that, that's not going to happen. But I do, I do have their three-point shooting in front of me, and they had a 39.4% in Game 1, 44 in Game 3, but the other three games are not good. 28.9 in Game 2, 31.2 in Game 4, 25% last night. That's got to improve. It has to improve, and I mean, and Kawhi shooting, I think Kawhi shot 9 for 24 for the field, which is not like him, and that has to improve, too. I think, I think, I look at, I've talked about this throughout the series, throughout the playoffs, really, and Kawhi's been so incredible that I don't make much of an issue of it, but I think if I could look at one thing Kawhi can get better at doing as a player, and he does a lot of incredible things as a player, is recognizing and moving the ball out of double teams, because he commands that pressure, pressure a lot, and he's also to make, he also makes great tough shots with one or two defenders on him. But I think we've seen how the ball can move on the other side with the Warriors when they pass that ball, move it around. And when that extra attention is there, the Warriors have to scramble and react. And I think we did a better job at finding some guys last night instead of taking some of those tougher shots that are harder to make. Um, it's a different outcome. It's that simple. But you're right. The Raptors have to do, improve um, from the three-point line. Um, that's been a big, strong part for them for this series, at least for the few wins they've had. Um, and you've got to kind of match the firepower these guys come with because – you can't trade twos with threes if, if Clay and Steph are shooting like they were last night. 
Uh, that was a, a weird sort of an outlier fourth quarter for the series. The lead changed, uh, which doesn't really happen. Uh, Kawhi Leonard had 12 points in that fourth quarter and looked like he was going to lead the Raptors to a championship. It just it was an odd fourth quarter, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, it was really odd in terms of he just turned it on. And yeah. it was no matter what he did, bucket after bucket, you know, six offensive rebounds. He was he was a machine in the fourth quarter. And, I mean, he came through when needed. And we've seen him, you know, close out games in the second half and play very strong for the team. But it was weird to see how we struggled through the first three. And, and kind of the team collectively they did where you kind of really thought they were going to be able to make the run. And they got the lead. So for them to kind of lose it like that was a little heartbreaking. But, you know, I think I think we talked about we've been doing these – this playoff run, I'm sure that these guys are tired. They're fatigued, but I mean, everyone is, you know, the Warriors are in the same boat, but they played a lot of basketball, and Kawhi, especially in terms of the load he's had to carry, um, you know, leading all playoff players in points and rebounds and steals. Um, he's, his contribution is incredible. So you'll say goodbye to the Oracle for me, will you? I thought I did, unfortunately. No. I, re- I really thought I did. I think I thought <laughs> those 2,000 Raptors fans Seeing the national anthem was uh, was a send off. <laughs> so that was the last image we'd see. But um, yeah, I would definitely be saying goodbye. And you know what? The Warriors fans are going to be there now. I mean, yeah. they're, they're they're coming back. They're getting a game in Oracle, and their team has bounced back, and they know that they have to inspire them to win. So I don't think it's going to be a, a cakewalk by any means. But um, I think that this team also plays well on the road. This Raptors team also plays well when there's a chip on their shoulder, and they also like being the underdog. You kind of got to give up on that if you're going to be the champs. Yeah. But I think they thrive in the adversity, uh, and they don't shy away from it. So I think that's going to bode well for this team going into Game 6. Dwayne, thanks very much. I assume I'm going to be talking to you sometime in the next, uh, what, 48 uh, hours? Of course we will. We yeah. have to. It's a, it, it's a tradition. It is. It is. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Take Dwayne. Care. Enjoy your flight. Dwayne Watson. That Dwayne Watson is the Twitter account. Uh, you know, the... Uh, uh, the situation with the Raptors is they're very resilient. To that. And, and, you know, he talked about the fatigue. Yeah, there is fatigue, but, you know, when the game starts, I mean, if you can't get jacked up during all that pregame stuff at an NBA game, you are just not alive. There's all kinds of energy in that building. Last night was extremely boisterous. Uh, we we stuck with the national anthems, and, and uh, boy, I hope that transmitted well over the airways because it was a, a rocking building to start that game. So, I mean, I, I don't know how you uh, – the, the fatigue would wear out just based on how everybody is jacked around you. Uh, and, uh, you know, the game is on, so it, it's always easier when you win, that's for sure. Uh, coming up next, Brian Hayes, the host of Overdrive in TSN 1050 and TSN 4. Uh, you are listening to Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available in the TSN and iHeartRadio apps. Final segment, Raptor Shootaround, TSN 1050. Jim Taddy with you until the top of the hour. Andy Paterno and Leafs Lunch takes over, followed by Matt Cause, followed by Overdrive, hosted by Brian Hayes. And Brian is with us now. Brian, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, Tap Man. Thank you for having me. Our pleasure. And so, I mean, you got to sleep in. You, you had some time to digest what happened last night. When you look back on the night that was, what do you see? Well, um, my fear is that that is going to be known as the timeout game. Hmm. Uh, that's kind of uh, where I see this going. Um, because, you know, you and I, we were sitting beside each other. Uh, you and I have been going to that building for 20 years. I can't speak for you, but I can't ever remember feeling that type of energy in the building. It was big. Uh, it was incredible. When Kawhi went on that 10-point 10, 10 run, I mean, it was all him. He had two threes and two twos, um, and then Steph Curry misses a three-point attempt, and you could see Steph Curry was dejected. 
You could feel it. It was as if the Warriors knew, uh-oh, we're done. We're about to hand this title over. Kawhi is going legend on us. We can't stop him. The building is going berserk. And Nick Nurse calls a timeout. Um, and I, I still cannot understand it. I can't fathom it. It makes even less sense today than it did at the time because at the time, I think most of us were like, wait a minute, did he call the timeout? Or was it Steve Kerr that called the timeout? Like, Was there an injury that we missed on the floor? Um, and I know his explanation after, afterwards was, you know, at the three-minute mark, you lose the timeouts, and he felt like he needed to give his team an energy boost. But by giving his team an energy boost or attempting to, what he did was suck the energy right out of the building. And I think he gave Golden State an opportunity to regroup and for them to kind of convene and say, guys, we got to get this back together. Kawhi Leonard did not have another bucket after that timeout. Clay Thompson hits two big threes. Steph Curry hits a big three. And the rest is history. Yeah, I mean, it evaporated real fast, and it was leaning towards a championship. Uh, there were a couple of things that, that that were just weird there. I mean, Curry got called late on a foul, and Cousins got called on a goaltending play at the very end. And I mean, there was just that feeling that this was the moment, and it was taken away. Yeah, it really was. And honestly, I don't think enough is being made of, of him not calling, Nick Nurse not calling a timeout uh, on that inbound with 15 seconds to go. Um, and we were discussing that on the post game, and I know that, that Dwayne uh, Watson didn't have a problem with it because, you know, they've got plays and they, they've, they've been working on that, obviously, throughout the year, which I understand. But that's the kind of stuff you work on in practice, thinking, okay, we're going to apply it to a game in November against Minnesota, you know, or a game in January against New Orleans. Not with the Larry O'Brien trophy 20 feet away, one-point game, final possession, chance to win a title. Um, he had a timeout left. I, I, again, I don't know why he didn't call a timeout, reconvene, and, and map something out as opposed to letting his players play through it, which, again, I, I understand the logic during the regular season. Nine times out of ten, you want to put faith in your guys, but that is the biggest moment of all of their careers, short of maybe Kawhi and Danny Green who have won titles. But Kyle Lowry's never had a shot like that in his career. He literally had a shot to win an NBA title. Um, and Draymond Green made an unbelievable play on it. But, yeah, when, when the Raptors went up six uh, and that place was going crazy, even during the timeout, you know, you're like, wow, this is they're, yeah. they're going to do it again. Yeah. Um, and then credit to Golden State. You know, they continued to push and push and – uh, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry showed up big time last night. You know, while you were talking there and throughout the course of uh, the show, I've been trying to think of, uh, you know, how, how I would describe uh, those final moments. And, and this may be taken as mean-spirited, but it's not. It's just an observation. This reminded me of the Raptors under Dwayne Casey. Does, does that ring a bell? Well, in terms of them not not being able to get it done down there. Yeah, I mean, it just had yeah. that, and I shouldn't I shouldn't blame Dwayne for that, but but it's it just reminded me of, of how they were. Yeah, well, there, there was, I mean, based on the results, uh, I think that's a, a fair comparison. We saw that a lot uh, with Dwayne Casey, where he was criticized for timeout usage, plays coming out of timeouts. Um, and, you know, last night they, they couldn't execute down the stretch. You know, I think what, what likely would frustrate um, Nick Nurse more than anything was the fact that, again, Kawhi Leonard, and this is where that, that timeout with 3.05 left on the clock continues to come up, is he was on his own 10-point run, and he didn't score a basket after that. Um, and they, you know, they trapped him. They doubled him late. He, he moved the ball, which is the smart play. But, you know, ideally, you find a way to get Kawhi engaged. You find a way to get Kawhi the ball on every single possession down the stretch. Um, and that's why you went out and got Kawhi Leonard. 
um, and it just it didn't happen for them the final three minutes. Are you okay with the final play? Well, um, again, I would have called a timeout and tried to try to d- divide because as much as yes, the Raptors are, are prepared for that moment. Um, so are, so is Golden State. I mean, Golden State oh, yeah. has been there before, right? Like that's yeah. why that's why again, it's almost you talk about the usage of timeouts where the the timeout with three oh five. He's thinking Nick Nurse, okay, let's let's settle it down here. Let's make sure that the energy is is up. Um, I think when he, when you get down to fifteen seconds. The team that was comfortable was clearly going to be Golden State. Like they've been here five years in a row. They knew what to do in that moment. I'm not convinced the Raptors did, but you know, you got 15 seconds. They got a lot of time. There was ball movement. The ball movement what was was you know I I think it was uh, appropriate. And Kyle had a look. Just you got to give credit. Draymond Green had an unbelievable play. Um, you would have preferred that he got it off a little bit quicker, I guess. But um, in the end, if it doesn't go in, I guess you can't you can't really love the play. Yeah, this is where you appreciate the grace of Kawhi Leonard. After the game, he was asked, if, "Why didn't he shoot?" I mean, he had no shot. No, he was. They well, exactly right. They, yeah. And that's an, another. Again, I continue. It's like a broken record. Getting back to the timeout with three oh five left. Yeah. But I, I, I wasn't in the huddle. I would guess Steve Kerr said, "Guys, let someone else beat us." Like that's enough. Sure. Like we, Kawhi Leonard, double them, trap them, do whatever you can to get the ball out of Kawhi Leonard's hands, um, which was clearly the smart plan. Um, and, you know, it, it, Kawhi Leonard is a lot like LeBron James in terms of just his basketball IQ. Like, that is the smart play. You don't have to be a hero. You know, you don't have to step over the half-court line and jack up a shot like Carlton Banks from the Fresh Prince just to be the hero. I mean, you, you move the ball if the ball is, is in a position where you're maybe going to turn it over or you're going you're gonna to somehow put your, your team in a bad position, which is what he did. Um, and that's the smart play. And I will continue to support that. And I'm sure Nick Nurse would continue to support that. It's just more perfect world scenario. You'd find a way, like we saw in Game 7 against Philly, where Kawhi is the guy with that shot. Um, but it just didn't happen last night. Well, I, I like what you said. Don't don't let Kawhi be the guy. But the flip side of that is when you're up uh, by, what, six points and they're about to go on a 9-0 run, you know that 9-0 run's going to come from Curry and Thompson. I don't, exactly. know how, I don't know how you stop it, but but my suggestion would be don't let that happen. Yeah, well, exactly. I mean, I, I would like to believe that that's what was coming up in the in the huddle uh, with the Raptors was, you know, on Steve Kerr was saying, get it out of Kawhi's hands. And if, if you're Nick Nurse, you had to be saying, do not allow Steph Curry and Klay Thompson to get off threes. And it's easier said than done. You know, there's a reason they're the best, best shooting backcourt in the history of the NBA. But that was, that's what changed. You know, they went on that 9-0 run, two three-pointers from Klay and a three-pointer from Steph Curry. Um, and the Raptors just could not manufacture any offensive possessions that looked confident um, that could secure a win last night. And that's where you, you got to give it up to the opponents. I mean, there's a reason these guys have been to the NBA Finals five times in a row. Uh, Steph Curry and Klay Thompson were shooting the lights out last night. But that's why, honestly, I, I feel very optimistic about where the Raps are at, where, you know, this is the big, bad Golden State Warriors. Steph Curry and Klay Thompson, again, I thought, shot the lights out and played really well last night, and they won by one point. One point. Like, it's not like the Warriors uh, smacked the Raptors around and said, okay, we're done playing here, uh, and we're going to take this series over. I think if you're the Raptors, you should still feel very confident. And then when you add to it, you know Kevin Durant is clearly not coming back. I don't think Kevon Looney will come back. Um, I think the Raptors are, are in a pretty good spot here. 
Uh, Brian, I, I heard all the uh, the promos for your show with the the rings and, and what kind of a debate that that turned into. And I, you know, I didn't hear the whole show, but I'm wondering if you went down the road of the of the media weasels that get wing, rings as well. Yeah, oh, well, I was thinking about you, Tab Man. I mean, we're 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 in the house. We deserve <laughs> no, something. No, you know, I, it could be a dollar store <laughs> ring, but we deserve some sort of uh, you know showing of appreciation. I don't think this. And and believe me, I'll take it. You know, these uh, Owen Noodles were claiming as if. You know, they wouldn't possibly take something free, which makes no sense because the old dog, all he does is ask for free stuff. But uh, if it gets to that point, and I know we're putting the cart way before the horse, if they're willing to send me anything that's free, I'll take it. And I think I can speak for you as well. (laughs) What's on the show today? Probably more stupid debates like the one we had yesterday, I would assume. And I mean, talking about last night, it's such a multi-layered conversation from the Kevin Durant injury, the fan reaction, the timeouts, where we go from here. Uh, it's it's going to be a fun one this afternoon. I can't wait. Well, I can't wait either. Thanks very much, Brian. Appreciate it. Bye, right, Brian. Thank uh, you. Brian Hayes, host of Overdrive and TSN 1050 and TSN 4 from 4 to 7. And, yeah, spirited debate. Uh, there was just a, a weird sway of emotions last night with all the expectation and anticipation and then the arrival of KD, then the departure of KD, and then what actually happened in the game. And that fourth quarter, as I said, Arad, was, was pretty weird, and there were opportunities there. And it's just, um, I don't know how to describe it. It was uh, just uh, unrealized potential, I guess. But you, you can't forget about the resiliency and, and the pushback from the Raptors and uh, I don't know if they win on Thursday night or if they win on Sunday night. I just uh, I like to see what happens here. I, I always think the best, and uh, the Raptors have achieved so much that I certainly wouldn't turn my back on them. There's a lot of, lot, lot of things here to be positive about, and so we'll just see what happens. Worst-case scenario this season is that Raptors lose in the NBA Finals in seven games. Well, there's three things that can happen. Raptors could win in Game 6, Raptors could win in Game 7, Warriors could win in Game 7, and that's pretty well it. Exactly. I'll if you told me at the beginning of the season that these are the three scenarios. Yeah, well, I think you, I would have given well, you a high five on Odom and very happy. I think you would have given me a high five two weeks ago. Exactly when he, the like, series started. I, I would have given you a people... high five month ago when they were down one nothing to the Magic. Oh yeah, I remember right? that like, game. Every... That was that was just oh that yeah. was a throwback. It's like oh here we go again. Doom and gloom, right? All yeah. like same old Raptors, same old playoff nonsense. But look where we are now. And, you know, there, I, I think I pointed this out to uh, Phil, who was with us last night, Phil Ballard. Uh, you know, there were a lot of questions that were formed. Um, and I'm a big guy for listening to postgame questions because that's how you get your answer. Uh, there were a lot of questions that had a negative tone about like putting too much weight on the loss. And when you ask that question, you have to understand you're asking it to a guy who, after the Game 4 win, showed no emotion about the victory. So you can't go down the other side of that road and be extremely negative or thinking that the loss has more impact than just a loss because the win had no impact any more than just a win. Like, nobody thought that that, or, that ordained any kind of championship, that, and they were great at that, right? Absolutely. I mean... The best example of that is always Bill Belichick, right? We're on to Cincinnati. Yeah, we're, we're get, getting on. ready for Cincinnati. What about, no, we're getting ready for Cincinnati. Yeah, on yeah. to Cincinnati. We're yeah. on to Cincinnati. Getting ready for game six. We're on to game at, six. At the Oracle. We're on to game six. What about, no, 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 we're getting ready for game six. Well, you, you can't, th- I mean, that, but everybody in the outside does think that way, and certainly media people think that way because they have to travel. You know, they've got to change things around. They may have assumed that it was ending last night and they wouldn't have to go back to Oakland. Well, guess what? You're going back to Oakland, so what are you going to do about it? Exactly. Like, even me and you, we had to change our guest list for today's show because 
a lot of the media members are now traveling instead of celebrating, right? So. Yeah, you should get some violin music for that. Poor Rad, he had to change his guest list. With, Poor me, I know. Yeah, with little notice. Oh, boy. It's just uh, kind of a struggle. We were going to go down that positive road. The championship parade was going to be mapped out, but no. No, it's not. Will it ever be mapped out? Ah, that is the question, isn't it? Will it ever be mapped out? Well, we'll see. Game six, Thursday night. Game seven, Sunday. Is there a game seven? Oh, no, we can't get there because we don't know. It's sad, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> I love the violin music. It makes my day. You know what I have to say after all this, Arad? There's only one thing. There's only one possible thing I'm going to say, and that is, ba-ba-ba-boo, Leafs Lunch is next. Thanks for stopping by. We'll be back tomorrow. Thanks for joining us on Raptors Shootaround, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca, and TSN and iHeartRadio app.